Okay, welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk. This is issue number 248. As always, you can um, look at, uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter on jimmysong.substack.com. You get it every Monday morning at 9 a.m. But for those of you that want to listen instead of read, uh, I, I do make this available on my podcast, Bitcoin Fixes This, which is available on Anchor. Anyway, scarcity is much greater than scaling. Uh, Bitcoin Tech Talk issue number 248. Elon Musk recently stated that on-chain scaling would be what would separate Dogecoin from its competitors, as if it's a smart engineering choice. On-chain scaling is something that's been talked about for years and the raison d'etre for many altcoins. After all, they reason, Bitcoin only has one megabyte block, so a 10 megabyte block should be worth 10 times as much, right? This is the ridiculous reasoning behind many altcoins whose underlying belief is that the value of Bitcoin is limited by the transaction capacity. As the past 10 years have shown, however, that doesn't seem to be the case. Further, the failure of projects like Bitcoin Cash and Feathercoin, which have far more transaction throughput, shows that it's not just transaction capacity that matters. Yet there is this persistent idea that scaling on chain is a goal worthy of pursuing. The way that's done is by centralizing some aspect, whether it's development or making it much more difficult for users to run their own nodes or whatever. Decentralization, however, is the thing that makes Bitcoin valuable. So centralizing is hardly the right trade-off. The reason Bitcoin has been so robust against challengers over the past 10 years is because it has better credibility than other coins. Specifically, Bitcoin has had long-term Credible scarcity. The scarcity is at the heart of what makes Bitcoin valuable as it's extremely unlikely that the supply of Bitcoin will change. The 21 million limit, once fully understood, is what makes people want Bitcoin in the first place. A fixed supply and increasing demand is what causes the price to go up. Value is not easily stored specifically because it's relative. When stored in a commodity, more of that commodity may be produced and dilute the value. This is why scarcity is so important for store of value. Which brings us back to decentralization. That is the secret sauce that gives Bitcoin so much more long-term credibility in its scarcity than anything else. Centralized things will eventually have at the center someone who's willing to change the rules and expand the supply. Even if you had a Fed chairman who promotes a tight monetary policy now, there will eventually come one who will promote a loose monetary policy. Same is true of any centralized entity. At some point, things will change. Decentralization is our protection against things changing. We want the rules to stay the same so that we can have certainty going forward. The minute we discover that rules are open to being revoked is the minute we should run away. That is why centralization is giving away the store and not a good tr trade-off. The sad reality of all coins is that they not only add feature X, but also centralization, making everything in their coin open to change. In other words, they might have feature X, but they don't have long-term credible scarcity. Uh, so essentially what, what we're saying here is that decentralization is the killer feature of Bitcoin. And that killer feature is that it doesn't change. Uh, it, it, you're, you're never going to change that 21 million limit. 
everyone else, you're going to have to trust somebody. You're going to have to say, okay, they're, they're not going to change it or they say that and you have to trust that their word on it. But, um, you know, as history has shown, uh, you know, those people either go away or die or change their mind or whatever. Um, and these things change. If there is a way, if it is centralized, things will change. Whereas with decentralized stuff, it doesn't change. And that's why it's so important to have decentralization for long-term credible scarcity. And that's what Bitcoin has. And that's what all coins do not have. All right, let's take a look at some stories in Bitcoin. Jeremy Rubin has a post on how OpCat can essentially quantum-proof Bitcoin. The argument is a bit technical, but the essence of it is that it is elliptic curved digital signature algorithm that would break with a quantum computer. Hash pre-images, however, are safe, and using OpCat, we can do something called Lamport signatures, which is a hash-based signature technique. The only thing about this particular type of signature is that it's a bit long, think a thousand bytes. Uh, that said, it's nice to know that we can add quantum proofing if we get OpCat into Bitcoin. So this is one of the four possible soft forks that Jeremy has outlined as a possibility after Taproot. So OpCat, APO, um, OpCheckSig Verify, and, and or uh, check sick from stack or something like that. Um, there, there's a bunch of them, but uh, but yeah, OpCat is one of them, and it also allows like uh, doing certain types of covenants and so on. So, uh, really interesting find by Jeremy. Uh, it, we can get quantum proofing um, just by adding one opcode, uh, and you know, uh, of course, the signatures are going to be much larger. Um, but you know, there, there's some techniques around that, that we, we may be able to do, but Lamport signatures are pretty cool. Um, they're hash based and so on. Uh, another blog post by Jeremy looks at what gets signed in the SIG hash any prevout, AKA APO proposal, uh, this, which is BIP 118. This is one of the trickiest parts to coding anything Bitcoin related. Uh, and it, it, it's figuring out that the hash that was signed and Jeremy does a good job of showing how APO interacts with the current set of possible SIG hash options. There are some nice benefits of APO to lightning and this allows and allows the implementation of L2, which can be seen here. So there, there are a couple of links there, the blog post by Jeremy and the second one about all the benefits of any prev out. Um, I think any APO is uh, one one of those other things that uh, that may be a soft fork after Taproot, and Jeremy's been been doing a review of APO. Um, really interesting, uh, sort of uh, um, you know uh, you know upgrades to Lightning that you can get, uh, especially with the with the Sig hash. Um, it was originally going to be a part of Taproot, but they um, there's a lot of complications, so the core devs decided to take it out and uh, make it uh, possibly the next software. Joshua Kretien has a good analysis and explanation of the difficulty drop from the last weekend. This is a good combination of what's happening geopolitically, what the actual protocol says, and how it's likely to resolve. There's a lot of misinformation about the difficulty adjustment, and this article should help in dispelling a lot of the myths. Um, so obviously there's uh, stuff going on in China, 
um, they are essentially banning mining and uh, forcing a lot of these miners to go elsewhere, which is why the difficulty dropped. Uh, but they do a good job explaining what the difficulty adjustment is and how it's calculated and how long it takes and the median time and all that stuff. So good article to read for that. Um, Lightning. Ryan Gentry proposes a bid process for Lightning called Blips. The bid process has been controversial and Macron thinks that it's failed, but I still think there's merit in making interoperable standards. In the Lightning Network, this is even more necessary as there are many ways to do the same thing. I hope the Lightning Network wallets, vendors, devs can cooperate on this. So um, BIPs are essentially standards in Bitcoin and uh, no one has to follow them or anything. It's just a good place to go look up, um, okay, are there any standards for this or whatever? Uh, and Lightning people want to do something similar with blips. Um, and I think blip 001 is uh, a description of the blip process, which uh, Ryan Gentry has um, created. And, um, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. It looks like Lightning Labs, whom he works for, is sort of taking the lead on this. Roy Scheinfeld of Breeze argues that Lightning is way more fungible than on-chain Bitcoin. I can't believe I didn't think of this before, but this is obviously true. When receiving Lightning payments, everything gets encrypted, so getting paid doesn't let you know where it came from. Maybe a lot of these privacy concerns can be solved on the Lightning network layer than trying to do so on the base layer. So, um, yeah, uh, th this is one of the uh, things that I, I can't believe I didn't think of before, but he makes that argument that Lightning's just way more fungible, right? Like, you don't know where it came from, so you really can't do AML KYC. So, um, in a sense, it's it's a lot more private, a lot, lot less... Uh, susceptible to censorship and so on. Uh, the biggest channel we've ever seen is now open between AsyncQ and OpenNode. Uh, the channel has a capacity of 10 Bitcoin, which is over $300,000 as of this writing. Both are Lightning Network companies who are working on infrastructure, so this large channel makes sense. We're seeing the equivalent of a large bridge getting built with a lot of tra traffic capacity. Lightning Network infrastructure continues to build. So 10 Bitcoins, which is quite a bit of money in a single channel just between these two. Um, uh, you know, they, they're, I think, becoming sort of like one of the backbones of Lightning. And I expect a lot more of this to get built as uh, Lightning, um, you know, to make Lightning work better. And uh, there's an economic incentive to build these and so on. So um, really interesting. Uh, 10 Bitcoin. I, I did not expect that. That That's uh, that's not just a Wombo channel. That's like a super Wombo channel or something. All right. Economics, engineering, etc. Alex Gladstein explores the meaning of the 4th of July and the banking system's betrayal of the ideals of this nation. Uh, he interviews Isaiah Jackson, author of Bitcoin and Black America, to show how the monetary system is a primary means of oppression of the black community. He also interviews Faisal from Iraq to show the consequences of U.S.'s foreign policy that's largely driven by the petrodollar. Sobering to be reminded that the U.S. is far from living up to its ideals, but I found the piece hopeful because there is an alternative in Bitcoin. Um, so obviously what... Um, what he's talking about is, uh, you know, Fourth of July. Uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're uh, the founding fathers. You know, um, uh, you know, drafted the Declaration of Independence and had all of these ideals. So many of the, those ideals are just completely 
um, subverted by uh, the monetary system we now live under. And essentially, a lot of those ideals are dead, uh, especially in the black community and U.S. foreign policy and so on. Um, and his argument essentially is that Bitcoin is what really brings that spirit of 76 back. Um, and I, I think I agree with him. Uh, really uh, interesting read, um, uh, you know, sort of comparing the values and so on. Uh, Jameson Lopp redefines FU money in light of Bitcoin. As he explains, the current problem with having lots of money is that it brings along with it a whole host of problems as summed up in the phrase, mo money, mo problems. He argues that Bitcoin fixes this because a lot of these problems go away when there's no seizure or ability of a central controller to screw you over. Because of the stronger property rights around Bitcoin, FU money is much more achievable. Yeah, and, and this is the problem with getting rich is that you have way more problems in trying to keep it or to keep up with inflation or to make sure that you don't run afoul of the law so that they don't seize your bank account and so on. So um, I, I think his article is well worth considering. And, you know, you can now save for FU money and you can have a lot of a lot more people that are independent minded instead of. Um, essentially being slaves to the opinion of whoever they happen to work for. Jordan Bush writes a clever parable to think about energy. Unfortunately, energy zealots lose sight of helping people and instead want to push their own agenda. I've argued before that most people don't understand the energy at all and are being manipulated, so this was a great way to frame the issue in human terms. Does it help people is the real question. So uh, it's kind of like, um, you know, the um, uh, the Good Samaritan story, but sort of cast in a, in the light of energy and so on. Um, please go read it. It's uh, it's a good good way to frame the issue. Casa reports about a frightening attack aimed at Bitcoin uh, at a Bitcoin holder. Apparently, the holder was drugged and his phone hijacked during a Tinder date. We can expect more attacks like this will be attempted in the future as Bitcoin increases in value. Someone please make a well-vetted dating app for Bitcoiners. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was just a very scary story. He went on a Tinder date. The woman didn't look like the picture, but he wasn't too worried. Um, and basically, uh, they went to his place. Um, and she drugged him uh, in like an alcoholic drink or something like that. He started... Uh, not having inhibitions and she asked for his phone and he gave it to her asked for his uh, you know unlock code he gave it to her his email was taken over his uh, phone number was taken over and they tried to go find um, you know all of his uh, different crypto accounts and drain them um, thankfully he had them with Casa and, and multi-sig and they couldn't get them out. But like, that's, uh, that's pretty scary that this sort of attack is, could go on. Tomer Strolai proves that Bitcoin is better than money, uh, better money than anything else we've ever seen. This is a premise, premise, conclusion style argument more suited to a philosophy class than the general public. But if you like logic and first principles thinking, the argument is great. Worth showing to people who say they're rational, at least. Um, so Tomer, I think, is uh, like a philosophy person. And, you know, premise, premise, conclusion. All men are immortal. Socrates is immortal. Uh, therefore, uh, is a man. Therefore, Socrates is mortal. That, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Or, worth reading if you are into philosophy and so 
as Ethereum moves to proof of stake, miners seem to be planning uh, to not play nice. Uh, so this is, um, I, I think, what's called a time bandit attack, uh, but uh, which, which has always been possible. Uh, but miners have been reluctant to do it because they didn't want to run afoul of the community. But because Ethereum is moving to proof of stake, um, there's nothing really for them to lose at this point. So what they're going to do is some sort of a time bandit attack where they can reorg um, the Ethereum blockchain and so on. Um, it should be interesting to see because we we all know that Ethereum only has like five or six nodes that run and like only one of one or two of them matter, uh, mostly on Infura. So if uh, if Infura decides, hey, you know what, like uh, that that chain is not valid and we're going to follow this chain. Um, you know, I, we can see some fireworks, but th this is what centralization looks like is, you know, uh, you know, an authority trying to do something and, uh, people rebelling and so on. Um, yeah, that, that's what's happening over there. Uh, an outdated hydroelectric power plant is found finding it more profitable to just mine Bitcoin than to try to sell the electricity on the market. Um, and this is uh, this is an interesting thing. So you're you're getting this old hydroelectric dam, uh, which was sort of out of commission, and they're uh, they're running it, uh, and you know it's obviously green, and uh, the electricity ge they're generating they can't really sell to the grid for a profit, but they can mine Bitcoin for profit. And opportunities like this come up because we had the difficulty adjustment uh, downwards, so that. Uh, you know, like it's extremely profitable at this point to mine Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, they're finding, OK, well, we, we can make a pretty good profit. And, you know, there there's not enough capacity, uh, like energy infrastructure ready to receive a lot of these miners. So you, you get little opportunities like this all over the world. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, Bitcoin is our hope to p separate money and state. So this is an article in Bitcoin magazine um, worth reading. It's uh, it, it really is like the state is so entangled with money at this point that when if you, we could separate it, it would be a great thing for human freedom. Fed chair and Coinbase CEO apparently met. Um, and this uh, this is a little concerning because, of course, uh, Brian Armstrong is no fan of Bitcoin, um, despite it making most of the money for his company. Um, and of course, uh, the Fed chair is very much concerned um, and would, pro would probably like to stop Bitcoin in some way, shape or form. They just, you know, they, I, there's really no way to do it. So, yeah, uh, interesting meeting, um, you know, maybe the beginnings of some sort of conspiracy. I don't know, but that's that's why I included in the newsletter. Um, some events. I will be at the Bitcoin Standard Conference on August 12th to 14th in Ensenada, Mexico, and Bitblock Boom in Dallas, Texas on August 26th to 29th. And I will be doing the Programming Blockchain Seminar in Mexico, in Ensenada, Mexico, um, August 10th and 11th. And it's a two-day seminar for programmers to learn about Bitcoin, and you can apply. Uh, and if you need a scholarship, I have some of those to give out as well. Uh, podcasts, etc. I was on vacation and skipped recording a podcast this week, but I will be back with another episode this coming week. I did read through last week's newsletter here, though. Um, so I, I, I read it not on Twitter spaces, but I just straight up recorded it like I am doing now, but on Clubhouse. Um, 
Here is a new book, Thank God for Bitcoin. My other books are The Little Bitcoin Book and Programming Bitcoin, um, which you can also find on Amazon. Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter. I joined as an advisor to be a part of a company that's enhancing the security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at Unchained.com. And of course, Fiat Delenda Est. Thank you. Uh, and that will be all.